page three. Page four. Uh, is there a proposal for the adoption of the minutes? Ronnie Chair, I'll propose. Honorable Verena Horn proposes in a second. Now that they are proposed, they are adopted by Honorable Horn, I am bound to second, Chair. It's very rare. Uh, I think uh, the tree is back now. Uh, uh, the minister seconded. Anyone who objects? None. The minutes have been adopted. Thank you very much. Next set of minutes. Draft minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, date 3 May 2022. Political overview of the annual performance plans and budget votes by the Minister of Justice and Correctional Services, briefing by the Office of the Chief Justice on annual performance plan 2022-2023 and budget vote uh, 2022-MTEF. The minutes are going to be taken as read. Are there any corrections on page one? Page two. Page three. Page four. Um, page four. Any move for the adoption of the minutes? I will Manuho Truchan moves for the adoption of minutes. Honorable Nivo Truchan moves for the adoption of the minutes in the second. seconds. Okay. Honorable Swart seconds. Thank you very much. Any objections? No objections. The minutes are taken. Uh, uh, adopted, sorry. Thank you very much. The next set of minutes, 4th May, draft minutes of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, briefing by the Department of Correctional Services and Judicial Inspectorate for Correctional Services on annual performance plans 2022-2023 and budgets 2022 MTF. Uh, the minutes are taken as read and any Correction on page one. Page two. Page three. Any mover for the adoption of the minutes? I'll move, Jay. Honorable Horn moves. Any second? Yes, second. Honorable Mola seconds. Any objection? No objection. The minutes are adopted. Next set of minutes, 6 May. Um, 
Correctional Services, 6 May. Discussion of labor dispute between the Department of Correctional Services and KwaZulu Natal Regional Commissioner, referred by the Department of Justice and Correctional and Constitutional Development and Legal Aid South Africa on annual performance plan and budgets. Any corrections on page one? Page two. Page three. Page four. Any mover for the adoption of the minutes? Okay. Any objections? No objections. The minutes are great to the next set of minutes. Briefing by the National Prosecuting Authority and Public Protector, South Africa Annual Performance Plan and Budgets. That is the 10th of May. Any the minutes are going to be taken as read. Uh, any corrections on page one? Page two. Three. Any mover for the adoption of the minutes? I'll move. Honorable Engelberg, move. Any seconder? Woman, you had driven seconds. No, when you were driven seconds. Any objection? Oh. Everybody's falling over themselves, and now suddenly there's no one. What is the problem, Honorable Katipa? There's no problem, Honorable Chair. I'm saying everyone's falling over themselves to propose and second, and now there's nobody to propose and second. They must all wake up. No, they have done that. It's you who was sleeping. No, I've been sitting and listening to them, and now all of a sudden for this one, there's nobody. No, they have. They have. The minutes are great, uh, too. Next set of minutes. Uh, briefings, uh, uh, in fact, uh, minutes of the 11th of May 2022, briefing by Special Investigative Unit and Information Regulator on Annual Performance Plans and Budget. Any corrections on page one? Page two. Page three. Any mover for the adoption of the minutes? Honorable Nehoi, moves for adoption, sir. 
Honorable Nivod Drahan Moss for the adoption of the minutes. Any seconder? Honorable Sol seconds. Thank you very much. Any objection? No objections. Minutes are agreed to. The next set of minutes. Uh, minutes of the 13th of May 2022 briefings by the South African Human Rights Commission on annual performance plans and budgets. The minutes are going to be taken as read. Any corrections on page one? Page two. Page three. Any move for the adoption of the minutes? Honorable Breitenbach says she will move, Jane. Honorable <laughs> Breitenbach, are you moving? <laughs> yeah, I'm not mind moving. I'd like to point out to the Honorable Horn that I'm capable of speaking for myself. <laughs> I was expecting that. Uh, okay, let's do it properly. Any move for the adoption of the minutes? Yes, I'll move. Honorable Breitenbach moves. Any second? Honorable source seconds. Any objections? Uh, no objections. The minutes are agreed to. Um, minutes of the 17th of May, public hearings on the prevention and combating of hate crimes and hate speech bill. The minutes are taken as read. Any corrections on page one? Page two. Page three. Page three. Any move for the adoption of the minutes? of the 18th of May 2022, public hearings on the prevention and combating hate crimes and speech bill. Minutes are uh, taken as read. Any corrections on page one? Page two. Page three. Any move for the adoption of the minutes? I move, sir. Honorable Mola any second? Honorable Nihad Drukhan, seconds. Honorable Nihad Drukhan, seconds. Any objection? No objections. Minutes are great, too. The next set of minutes. We're done, sir. We're done. 
maybe chair, before we adjourn. Okay. I've just received an apology from Honorable Ramuwe. She will join us later. I think she's trying to keep down. Oh, okay. That's fine. Thank you very much. Chair, before that, you forgot to address the committee that it's Africa Day today. Thank you. Oh, my apologies. Yes. Can you do that, Honorable Mola? I think let's do that, Chair, when we reconvene. Okay, sure. Thanks.
technological skills have, have, have improved. Well, thanks to you, Mr. Secret. <laughs> yes, you can remove it now. You'll only do so when you're called upon. Thanks. Uh, good morning, uh, Mr. Dupree. Morning, Mr. Recording morning. in progress. To your committee members, are you well? Uh, we are well, we are well. Sorry for, for breaking our promise or our contract with you. Uh, we know that we had said that we would uh, start at 10. We thought that the, the amount of work is going to take long but we finished much earlier. And we thought that if we start early, we might finish early so that you can have um, the, the rest of the day with you for, for yourself. So, but sorry for the inconvenience caused. Not to worry, Mr. Chair, we are used to being on standby for the committee at short notice, so, so we are used to that. And thank you for giving me off the rest of the day. I'm going to speed through this thing by, by the speed of white light. <laughs> and I'm going to hang around for the rest of the day under a tree or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in your hands. But before we start, Honorable Nola, uh, you said you would want to address us. I thought that uh, because there's going to be a debate today in the House and all political parties are going to be participating, um, but uh, you said you want to address us. No, Shining, let's, uh, let's let it to the House to deal with it. <laughs> but I can only say uh, happy Africa Day to everyone in the committee. Thank you. Thank you very much, especially to, to Honorable uh, Horn, your friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is so, it, it would seem today is, is, is uh, and, and now the Honorable Jainke is of, of course ran off to, to KZN for the week after he, in the la very last debate, tried his very best to... Uh, to uh, mess up relationships within this committee, but we're still waiting for him. We we have uh, uh, no qualms with the Honorable Nola. Um, he's a good African, but that janky guy, we're waiting for him. <laughs> I, I won't pass the message. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much. Uh, over to you. Uh, okay, uh, Honorable Mivot Drohan and the committee secretary. Uh, no, Chair, I just wanted to say that Honorable Horn surely misses Honorable Janky. 
I think so. I think so. I think so. Committee Secretary. Hi, Lena. <laughs> Morning once again, Chair. We have since received an apology from Onel Buriaku. She's attending the match with GPV in Mutati. Oh, okay. That will be noted. Thank you very much. Uh, over to you, uh, Mr. Dupree. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, in anticipation of, of the debate this afternoon, I have tried to, you will recall that we've gone through the 15-page summary yesterday where the department concedes the proposals that were made and that appropriate amendments will be brought to the committee. This document relates to comments by those institutions that we have ran over yesterday where the department um, does not agree with the proposals that have been made. I would just like to show you an example of what I'm going to propose to the committee. You will see the highlights. I've went through the document last night and this morning to try and compound it a bit further for us. Um, I don't think the interested parties need to be concerned that we only highlight a few of the issues that might have been raised by them. The summary aims to be a true reflection of everything that they have said. I would just like to show you an example um, and I'm, I'm going to skip those, and I'm just looking for an example. I, I apologize, I'll go back to the start of or the beginning of the document, but you will note that at places, and now it's just Murphy's Law, now I'm going to struggle to get an example of that. Um, for example, here, under the definitions laws, uh, we've highlighted only the... Uh, institution that made the submission. Uh, the reason why we wouldn't want to board the committee with running through that, with your permission, of course, Mr. Chair, is that we largely consider those as technical proposals or suggestions, and our or the department's response is there. So without further ado, I would also like to, to propose, with your permission, Mr. Chair, although I have taken the trouble to highlight Table 1, but you will recall that when we summarise the comments on the bills for the committee, the Table 1 reflects general comments. Um, so that's overall general comments associated with the bill. And then Table 2 uh, goes into the nitty-gritty, if I may so call it. So with your permission, Mr. Chair, I would, I would like to request that we, we jump straight into Table 2. Table 1 is the first eight pages of the document. We were now able to compound the document to 47 pages. Um, in addition to yesterday's 15 pages. So um, our math, math makes sense to this to the extent that 15 plus 47 is 62, which was the original summary. So, Mr. Chair, may I request permission to go to Table 2? Members, do you have any problem with that? No. Okay. On a result? That's fine, 
Thank you very much. You can proceed, uh, Mr. Tupi. Thank you, Chief. Mr. Chair, um, with regard to the definitions clause, clause one, the Banking Association of South Africa uh, notes that the reference is made throughout the bill to interested and affected parties, but neither of those terms are defined. Now, you will find that we're going to encounter quite a number of these type of, of proposals, which are similar to this one. Um, and our response is merely that it's not necessary to define these terms because if they are not defined, they bear the ordinary uh, dictionary meaning and therefore need not uh, be defined. The Council for the Advancement of South African Constitution... Sorry, uh, Sorry Mr. Dupree. Uh, members, I think uh, um, as Mr. Dupree proceeds, Whenever you feel that uh, you want to address something, you just raise your hand. And you won't stop uh, after each and every definition or after, after each and every clause. If you disagree with something or you want to raise something, you just uh, raise it as we proceed. Is that in order, members? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. You can proceed, Mr. Dupree. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, so CASAC made a similar proposal, but only with regard to writing land. And once again, the response is actually similar to the one that was uh, in respect of the proposal of the Banking Association of South Africa. Uh, CASAC also indicated that uh, the bill would, would, in, would constitute an ouster of the High Court's ordinary jurisdiction over property or land disputes. Um, the response there is that the jurisdiction of the High Court would not be asked unless the act in question, in other words, those different pieces of principal legislation affords the Land Court exclusive jurisdiction. We have explained to the committee yesterday, um, and we'll see it later in our summary, that the Department identified 33 pieces of legislation that could fall under the jurisdiction of the land court. However, the concern was that um, one wouldn't want to overburden the court immediately while it is being established. So the department consulted with the departments concerned and were able uh, to request them and, and they were able to indicate to us which would be uh, regarded as, as priority legislation. And that is why we've got nine uh, pieces of legislation that will fall under the exclusive jurisdiction of the court. Uh, just to remind the committee members, those are te technical... Sorry, Mr. Tupriz. Um, now, uh, do you mean that uh, for the, uh, the remainder of the other legislations, then a bill will have to be brought back to, to Parliament for amendments as, as we develop capacity? Or, or, or the clause will be written in such a way that uh, it does accommodate an incremental uh, uh, capacity increase in the state? Mr. Chair, um, yes, the, the, the idea is to have a staggered approach. So in two or three years' time, additional pieces of legislation might fall under 
the jurisdiction of the land court. However, it's not necessary to amend the land court legislation because the land court legislation is based on the formula that the uh, Superior Courts Act is based, and that is that it merely establishes the court. It's all the other pieces of legislation that is that are in the statute book that afford uh, jurisdiction to our courts. So, strictly speaking, when the jurisdiction of the land court will be expanded in future, it will be, uh, those amendments will be affected in terms of those different pieces of principal legislation. Okay. Thank you, Chair. Agnes submits that the definition of a dispute should not include an alleged dispute. Uh, the department does not support the proposal as that would exclude an allegation which would arguably not be classified as a dispute in certain contexts. They um, also submit that the challenge with an alleged dispute is that it may open the door for the court to adjudicate on matters which has not followed the correct procedure. Now, to, to exclude an alleged dispute may result in unintended consequence where a legitimate matter is excluded from the adjudication by the court on the basis uh, that it is an alleged dispute. Once again, technical proposals. Um, AgriSA, with regard to clause 2, the purpose and objects of the Act, submits that clause 2.1 is misleading and should be deleted or, amend, or amended as a court cannot enhance and promote access to land. Now, the department's response is, Mr. Chair, by being a dedicated permanent court, the, the land court will adjudicate and resolve disputes and thereby contributing towards the ideal or goal of access to land. The Socioeconomic Rights Institute argues that the bill places more emphasis on contested land claims and does not refer to eviction proceedings under PI and ESTA. To address this, the bill could specifically outlaw evictions that lead to homelessness, and this last sentence is actually the crux of the recommendation by them. Uh, the department's response is that the bill, which is aimed at establishing the land court, is not the ideal vehicle to outlaw evictions, which is a matter that is dealt with in another separate piece of legislation. With regard to clause three, the establishment, Afri Forum is of the view that the land court should not be a court of equity. The department's response in this regard is that land, land issues are matters that require equity considerations in some instances, as uh, is the case with Section 33C of the Restitution Act, which requires equity to be a factor to be taken into to account by a court when making a decision. Kasek Agri essay, more of, of a recommendations there, more of a technical nature. Uh, the Legal Resources Center also uh, queried the reference to law and equity. Their argument is that 
Section 39 of the Constitution provides that legislation must be interpreted in line with the values of the Constitution. The Department's response in this regard is that the interpretation of Section 39 of the Constitution is correct, but it is our submission that it does not preclude the legislature from emphasizing the intended character of the court. Western Cape technical recommendations. Uh, with regard to clause four, the composition of the court, the legal academics uh, refers to clause 4.1c, and uh, they say that presumably that clause refers to the judge president. Uh, that was also supported by natural justice lawyers. Now we're going to find this under the composition of the court, the land court, as well as the land court of appeal, these type of, of uh, proposals or observations. But we would like to point out to the committee that the term president is defined in clause one as the president of the republic. So wherever throughout the bill uh, we use the term president, it means the president of the republic. But where it comes to the judge president of the court, then it is written that way. The natural justice lawyers argues that the phrase, as many other judges as may be, is not supported because it is too broad. In the case of the land claims court, the lack of the specific minimum number of judges that that court went from having five judges to only having acting judges. The department's response is that it should be kept in mind that the court's jurisdiction will be extended in future with a concomitant increase in the workload of the court uh, to provide a minimum threshold of the number of judges um, in the land court will, will serve no useful purpose. Afri Forum Technical Land Claims Court. It is submitted that it's not clear why this section is required or precisely what it means. That is now with regard to Clause 6, the seat of the court. We argue that the clause is self-explanatory and necessary. The judge president should be empowered to determine that a matter by, may be heard elsewhere than at the seat of the court. Agri-SI uh, technical. Um, and once again, Mr. Chair, I'm, I'm not belittling or I'm not skipping this uh, on purpose, but as I indicated that uh, the technical um, proposals, we have summarized them and um, the committee members can, can always go back and, and, and have a second read on it. Um, may I just ask, Mr. Chair, um, I, I suppose all the members did receive the summary last night. I think uh, if they did not, they would have indicated. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Now, with regard to Clause 6, still, the seat of the court, the National House of Traditional Leaders, recommends that the word may be replaced by must to compel the court to hold its sitting for the hearing of any matter at a place elsewhere than at the seat of the court. 
The department does not support the submission as that would compel the court to hold its sittings elsewhere, even if it would be expedient to hold that specific sitting at the seat of the court. Legal Resources Technical, Socioeconomic Rights Institute Technical, Land Claims Court with regard to the jurisdiction of the court, Clause 7 of the bill, Technical. Um, with regard to the jurisdiction of the court, Clause 7, Agri SA says uh, that it's not clear what is meant by each court in Clause 7.3. Now, the department's response in this regard is that the intention is to establish a land court which may hold its sittings elsewhere other than at the main seat. And the court established elsewhere should have the area of jurisdiction that it serves. No satellite courts um, are intended. The legal academics with regard to Clause 7.3c uh, they argue that Clause 73C appears very similar to Clause 61, and it is not clear what the difference is. Um, now, Mr. Chair, Clause 61 empowers the judge president to decide where the, where the court um, may hold sittings. However, the such places must be formally proclaimed by the minister in terms of clause 73C. And this is not a new provision. There are examples of these type of provisions in existing legislation. With regard to clause eight, the appointment of judges of the court, the LIRC um, technical AFRI forum indicates that the aspects of race and gender should never be overemphasized when it comes to the selection and appointment of any judicial officers. And the, the department's response is quite straightforward in this regard. The intention is to require that, that race and gender be considered but not be a determining factor. Kasak, it is submitted that... I'm sorry, Mr. Dupree. But I think uh, maybe you should use the Constitution to respond to that clause because they, I think there is an emphasis in the Constitution that uh, the judiciary should reflect race and gender composition. We can proceed. Thank you, Chair. I'm, I'm just making a note for myself to, to get back to your question. However, if you recall, yesterday a similar issue was raised in our 15-page document, uh, mm -hmm. which um, will be um, with that minor amendment proposed, if I remember correctly, by the legal academics. Then, um, and then this concern of yours will be addressed. But I have made a note, and we'll go back to that. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, Kasek, uh, it is submitted that in the interest of preserving the separation of powers, the minister should only be able to do so in consultation with the judge president or 
Deputy Judge President, and not only after consideration. Now, this relates to the appointment of acting judges, Mr. Chair. The response here is that <clears throat> uh, this proposition would be in conflict with Section 1752 of the Constitution, which obliges the Minister to appoint acting judges to other courts after consultation with the senior judge of the court concerned. The Land Claims Court, the expression half of whom must be judges at the time of appointment in Section 84A, limits access to the bench of those judges who are experienced and also advocates who have been acting in the Land Claims Court. Now, the department's response here is that the intention of the bill is to ensure that half of the persons appointed in the bench are experienced judges, so that not all of the appointees are, are taken from the pool of, of, for example, advocates and attorneys. Agree SA Technical, Mr. Chair. Atmos, uh, Section 8 requires the President to appoint judges on the advice of the Judicial Service Commission, but permits the Minister to appoint acting judges. While this provision is broadly in line with similar legislation, such as the Labour Relations Act, it is unclear why the duty is split between the President and the Minister. And once again, we only refer to Section 1752 of the Constitution. And I might, from my side, Mr. Chair, add that the, the so-called split between the president and the minister is, is, I think, mainly a matter of convenience because when there is a need for an acting judge, that appointment must be made fairly quickly instead of um, going through the whole process of the <coughs> president appointing on advice of the JSC. The ESA Institute of Race Relations also made mainly technical proposals. The legal academics with regard to clause 84A, uh, Chair, I don't believe it. My throat is giving me... May I please be excused for two minutes? I just need to get some water. Can we come back at 10 o'clock?
Mr. Tutri, are you fine now? Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. The legal academics, they made a similar uh, remark, but we would like to highlight this to you because it's important to read clause 84A correctly. Uh, but they propose that uh, judges of the court should not be required to be judges of the High Court. Specialist persons should be appointed permanently to the court. This is this proposal is supported by the Legal Resources Centre. The department would like, like to point out to the committee that paragraph A should be carefully read to the extent that there is a quasi-proviso that at least half of the persons who are appointed to the court must be appointed from persons who are not judges at the time of appointment to the court. The natural justice lawyers... Yeah, I, sorry, Chair, I skipped that one, but that must also actually be... It's a technical proposal. The Socioeconomic Rights Institute, also technical proposals or either covered by, by what we have already, already uh, informed the committee about. With regard to clause 9, the tenure remuneration and terms and conditions of appointment of judges, AgriSA argues that it's important that all land court judges, being also judges of the Division of the High Court, should also sit in the High Court, and that's, of course, during, for example, periods of recess, etc. But the submission is not supported, Mr. Chair. The intention with the bill is to uh, capacitate the land court with permanent judges so as to get rid of the backlogs and create the necessary jurisprudence in, among others, land claims issues. With regard to the appointment of officers and staff, Kasek is of the view that if the minister is given the power uh, of appointing these officers, it would appear to be uh, a function that, that is currently performed by the Office of the Chief Justice. However, we should take note of Section 11, Sub 1 of the Superior Courts Act, which empowers the minister to appoint a court manager, one or more assistant court managers, a registrar, assistant registrar, and other officers and staff whenever they may be required for the administration of justice or the ex execution of the powers and authorities of the court concerned. And it's, land uh, it's just a bit, uh, it's not, uh, I think it's something that we should bear in mind. Um, I think those members who were part of the Fifth Parliament, is it not one of the concerns that the former Chief Justice has been raising that uh, the, the, the power to appoint uh, court managers for their courts uh, is one of the points of concerns? Honorable Horn and Honorable uh, Redenbach. Yes, uh, Chair, I, I would think that, that you're quite correct. It, it, it is an issue. Uh, yes. And that's why it's so important that we, we ultimately work towards finalizing the court administration model. 
yes. which was now again um, the topic of some discussion and and debate during during the OCJ debate. So I'm not quite sure whether whether we can fix this through this bill, um, maybe to to answer your question directly. I think let's have a comprehensive approach. Um, I think let's leave it for now. I think let's have a comprehensive ap- approach to, to it. Let us not deal with it piecemeal. And what I would suggest is that uh, we leave it for now because it would mean amending the Superior Court Act, but it's something that we know that we have to come back to it once uh, we have... Uh, um, once we, I think once all the interactions with the judiciary have been concluded, uh, including the one, uh, I think the issue that is still before cabinet on the model, I think uh, those are the issues that we might, either the next parliament would have to come back to it. But I think for now, because I don't think it's our intention for now to amend the Superior Courts Act in a piecemeal way. I'm not sure whether members would want to engage that. Or we should leave it at that for now. Chair, I agree with that approach. We need to finalize the court administration order as quickly as possible. It can't be done by way of the sense. Yes, it must not be a piecemeal approach. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Mingwood Trochan. Um, yeah, I just have a question for clarity. <clears throat> the court administration model, um, is it the committee or is it OCJ or who is supposed to be working on that model? Just for clarity, Chair. It is currently uh, in the executive. I think the cabinet is, is the cabinet is dealing with that process. Um, yeah, they are the ones that uh, they are still engaged. In fact, once they are done with the process, then they will engage uh, with the judiciary. But I think at some point, Parliament will have to be involved. But for now, it is still the minister is finalizing it. He will present it to cabinet. Then there will be engagement with the judiciary. Okay, thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. I think let's proceed, uh, Mr. Dupree. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Plan claim score, that's technical, as well as with regard to the appointment of assessors and also the remarks made by the National House of Traditional Leaders. SA Institute of Race Relations, as well as the Legal Resources Center. With regard to the institution of proceedings in terms of clause 13, every forum technical in nature, also uh, argue that reference is made to a person throughout the section. However, it's not clear whether this will include juristic persons such as trusts, companies, etc. Now, Mr. Chair, it's right that the term person is defined in the Interpretation Act to include anybody of persons, corporate or unincorporate. Land claims court, we've got technical proposals there. Agri-SA clause 13.3 refers to the prescribed manner and prescribed period. It's not clear in terms of what rules 
this will transpire. Now, the regulations will prescribe, will prescribe the manner and period for the referral of a matter to the judge president. <clears throat> yes, uh, this is merely noting the support by APIS for mediation in respect of the bill. The National House of Traditional Leaders argues that 99% um, of claims in the country are instituted by traditional leaders on behalf of community members. They recommend that the bill should make it clear that traditional leaders can institute proceedings in this act on behalf of the traditional communities. The department, however, does not support the proposal as discovered by clause 13.1d which provides that any person acting as a member of or in the interests of a group or class of persons may institute proceedings in, in the land court. The Legal Resources Centre, let me just, I apologise, Mr. J. This was done very late last night. Oh yes, that this is yeah. That is that's uh, the whole, yeah. The whole issue of, of mediation and arbitration comes into play here, and um, as we indicated yesterday, that that um, issue is a bit fluid at this stage. The Western Cape government, the bill should specifically indicate that the processes in the acts in terms of which the court will have jurisdiction should be followed before proceedings can be instituted in the court. Um, the department is of the view that there's no need for a provision of this nature. The acts only confer jurisdiction on the court to adjudicate disputes. This disruption or non-compliance with processes contained in other acts is something that simply will not, should not occur. With regard to the rules governing the procedure of the court, I've referred made a technical proposal. And then Basel said the same rules that apply to the High Court of South Africa should apply to this court. And that is that proposal is supported by the Legal Academics and Legal Resources Centre. Our response there, Mr. Chair, is that the bill provides for the application of the uniform rules in the land court. But we'll get back to this in a, in a moment or two. The Land Claims Court submits that in Clause 14.1, as is the case with the Land Claims Court, the Judge President be empowered to make rules. The Rules Board for Courts of Law has no experience in this field. Also, the High Court rules should apply where no provision is made for the rules or regulations. Uh, uh, supported by Agri-SA Legal Resources Centre and the Western Cape Government, the department does not support the proposal as the rules board is a statutory body established um, to make rules of courts for the country. The uniform rules do apply to the land court where no specific provision is made in the rules or regulations of the land court itself. Agri-SA is of the view that it might cause confusion if the court Court's procedures are subject to both the uniform rules and in its own rules. 
response there merely is to say that the court will have its own rules and the uniform rules will apply to the land court where no specific provision is made in the rules or regulations of the court concerned. Uh, Agri-SA also proposes that the land court bill should also authorize the judge president of the court to issue practice directions from time to time as circumstances may require, supported by ACBES. The directions that are issued by the Chief Justice under Section 83 of the Superior Courts Act, um, who then under uh, 8.4 can delegate that power to any other judicial officer of the court concerned. So that proposal is covered, Mr. Chair. The SA Institute of Racial Relations, the, the bill undermines the establishment of procedural rules by suggesting that the court need to follow only those rules that facilitate the expeditious handling of disputes and the minimization of costs. The department does not agree. Clause 14.3 provides that the rules contemplated in subsection 1 must facilitate the expeditious handling of disputes and the minimization of costs involved. The Western Cape government, once again, a technical proposal with regard to the powers and functions of the court under other legislation. <coughs> the legal academics, apologies, the, the legal academics. The, suggests that the power and functions of the court might stem from other legislation. It might be prudent. Mr. Mr. Yes, Chair. Uh, are you having flu or is it something serious than flu? Yeah, I think it's something... No, no, it's, it's not that serious. It's just that frog that, that bothers me. I, I don't know. It sometimes happened to me and, and always in the committee. I cannot talk for longer than five minutes, Chair. <laughs> okay, let's, let's give you five minutes break again. Thank you, Chair. I really apologize. No, 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 no. You don't have to apologize.
We can proceed. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, with regard to the powers and functions of the court under other legislation, the legal academics suggests that um, the power for uh, the power and functions of the court might stem from other legislation, and it might be prudent to do an audit of those legislation to confer power on the court and to consolidate it in the bill. However, Mr. Chair, the department's view is that it has been indicated that the intention is to gradually extend the court's jurisdiction in terms of other pieces of principal legislation. So with respect, it will serve no useful purpose to list other legislation in the bill because that would require the uh, legislation or the bill to be amended um, continuously. With regard to the intervention to proceedings before the court, AFRI Forum proposes that clarity be provided on whether a referral to the legal aid board will lead to an automatic postponement of a matter and how many such postponements will be entertained. A limited time frame should be provided within which the legal aid board must indicate whether they will assist or not. And in short, the, the department is of the view that legislation cannot dictate how many postponements the court may allow in a matter, as this is something that lies within the discretion of the court. Also, as a technical proposal. Myself as well, Chair, I was I was just wondering what postponements are they doing about in a legislation? I mean, just wondering. I thought that uh, they are speaking about something else, but I think uh, the response by the department is, is, is quite correct. Thank you. Yeah, it's proper, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Corruption Watch, it is submitted that the bill must provide clarity regarding the role of the land rights management facility and explicitly state whether the land rights management facility will continue to provide legal aid functions and be, account be accountable institution to parliament regarding the legal aid expenditure at the Legal Resources Centre also supports that submission. Um, our 
response is briefly, Mr. Chair, that um, legal, legal aid SA replaced um, the uh, LRMF in the provision yeah. of legal aid. I'm fine, Advocate. How are you? I wonder if you can help me. I've got. Honorable Sona. Honorable Musema. Please proceed. I think he's looking for illegal advice. <laughs> Thank you, Chair. FW, the Clark Foundation, Agri SA. Uh, technical proposals. The National House of Traditional Leaders recommends that where a party cannot afford to pay for legal uh, representation, the court must arrange, arrange legal representation at the expense of the commission. The submission is not supported by the department as funds allocated to the LRMF will be transferred to the Legal Aid SA. The Legal Academics, Legal Resources Center and the Socioeconomic Rights Institute submitted uh, comments of a technical nature. And then the Western Cape government came up with an interesting one. They say no specific mention is made of Amiki Kuriai. Um, uh, which provide for the uh, express provision should be made for the involvement of Anuki Kurei. And we indicate that Clause 16.1 is wide enough to include persons who are interested in a case, especially the reference to any interest person, including an organization. So Anuki Kurei will be, will be covered. With regard to Clause 17, Agri-SA made technical proposals there. Clause 18, the Land Claims Court also made technical proposals. Clause 18, of course, was the chair deals with the judgment by default. And ACBIS indicated that the provision is supported in principle as a litigant who has followed the correct procedure should not be denied relief if the other party fails to respond. The provisions should perhaps uh, just be qualified in the context of an eviction order under PAI and the ESTA Act. Now, the department's response is that the procedures contemplated in the legislation giving the course of action must be followed as set out in that legislation in order for default judgments to be granted. The Legal Resource Center also made a technical proposal with regard to Clause 19, witnesses. The Western Cape government said that uh, the bill should define what is meant by a written instrument. Now, the ordinary dictionary meaning will apply to the extent that the term written instrument refers to a formal written legal document which reflects enforceable rights, obligations, or duties. The department is therefore of the view that it's not necessary to define a written instrument. And then with regard to clause 20, witness fees, the Western Cape also made technical proposals. As far as the admissibility of evidence is concerned, AFRI Forum 
Uh, undue hardship and prejudice will come to litigants if hearsay evidence is simply accepted, and the same goes for expert uh, evidence, which is not tested in a formal fashion. This section will lead to grave injustices. Um, the response here is merely to say, Mr. Chair, that uh, the court is required to give way to any evidence given before it that it deems appropriate. Now, Barso, with regard to clause 22.3, suggests that clause, that clause 3 should include specific factors for the court to consider when determining the weight or the admissibility of any evidence presented to the court in terms of subclauses 1 and 2 regarding hearsay evidence and evidence not admissible in court. The department is of the view that to set factors to be considered in the bill as suggested could fetter the judicial discretion when dealing with such evidence. Agri-SI, the rules should provide some guidance on the kind of ESI evidence that is admissible and how it should be evaluated. And uh, the response here is <clears throat> the same as with regard to Barca. It will be extremely difficult in any event, Mr. Chair, for the legislature to, to provide such guidance, I, in my personal, personal view, think. Atmos made technical proposals. Um, the National House of Traditional Leaders uh, support the view that, that or, or the provision that ESA evidence can be admitted in certain circumstances and the department has noted their support. The Legal Resources Center supports ESA evidence. They point out that clause 22.2 deals with the restitution cases only. This clause should be amended to apply to a range of legislation under the jurisdiction of the court. Now, the department's response to that, Mr. Chair, is that restitution cases are unique to the extent that land claims exist where most witnesses with first-hand knowledge of the matter may not live anymore or other persons are old and may not remember certain facts anymore. In respect of the other range of legislation, it should be remembered that the admissibility of evidence will be determined in terms of the Evidence Act. National Employers Association of South Africa and Randwater and Salka Liga, as well as the SA Institute for Race, Race Relations, made technical proposals. Under Clause 23, the scope and extension, the execution of the uh, process of the court, the land claims court <coughs> made technical proposals there. It is noted for the committee uh, to look at. The clause 25 powers of the court, the land claims court once again made technical proposals, whereas Agri-SI argues that the application of subclause 2 should be restricted to cases where all parties <coughs> where all the parties should consent to the referral of, of a question of law to the land court of appeal or the clause should be removed in its entirety. 
Now we draw a, a comparison with Section 158.4 of the Labor Relations Act, which has a similar provision. The court can refer of its own accord, or any party may request such referral. However, the court would likely to hear will, will likely hear uh, submissions from the parties concerned regarding the proposed or the requested referral. Lamosa made technical proposals here, and then the legal academics, the power set out in clause 20, 22.1 of, or section 22.1 of the Restitution of Land Rights Act should be included in the provision. The department is of the view that the provision is a general wide sweeping empowering provision and it's not necessary to refer to particular legislation. With regard to clause 26, the referral of a particular matter for investigation by a referee, uh, these are also these are also technical issues um, or technical proposals by the Land Claims Court and the Legal Resources Centre. We would like to maybe draw this morning specific reference to what the water has said. I argue that the clause should make reference to which persons qualify as referees, which will bring certainty as to who qualify as fit and proper persons for appointment. The department is of the view that it's not necessary to stipulate qualifications of referees. To insert qualifications may restrict the provision unnecessary, especially in view thereof that referral is upon agreement between the parties. With regard to pre-trial conference, CASEC and the FW, the Clark Foundation, made technical proposals. Clause 28, court order. CASEC, clause 28.3H provides that in the case where a claimant or an applicant is a community, the court may make an order to determine the manner in which the rights are to be held or compensation is to be paid or held, it is submitted that this clause, by creating the possibility of compensation being held by someone other than the members of the community, may create opportunity for malfeasance and exploitation of vulnerable communities. The department would like to point out that the intention is that a determination is made as to who is to hold the rights or compensation on behalf of the community. The legal representatives of the parties will make suggestions to assist the court in this regard. Land Claims Court made technical proposals. Um, sorry, I just want to check with, yes, we're still with court orders. Agri-SA points out that clauses 28, 3, 4, 5, and 8 are applicable only to restitution claims under the Restitution Act and should be retained in that Act and not be put in the Land Court Bill. Now, Mr. Chair, here the, the response is quite simple or straightforward, that the intention is to have all court-related provisions contained in one statute and to avoid uh, cross-referencing to the Restitution Act. Atmos made technical proposals, and then the Legal Resources Centre 
Schultz's so view that the court is not empowered to determine compensation in cases of expropriation. They expressed their concern with regard to that. And then we remind the committee that, again, it should be noted that the extension of the jurisdiction of the court will be enabled in terms of the different pieces of principal legislation. With regard to the variation and rescission of orders, CASAC made a technical proposal. Clause 30, costs of reform, Agri-SA, Akbers, also made uh, technical proposals. The SA Institute of Race Relations, it is submitted that since the law has long required fairness in the world of costs, the introduction of a separate fairness requirement simply promotes uncertainty and creates an ambiguous basis on which uh, established rules can be undermined or bypassed. Now, it's not clear the requirement of fairness could promote uncertainty and ambiguity, Mr. Chair. However, the court must make a cost order in the light of the facts of the case, considering the requirements of law and fairness. They also argue that the wording in the bill makes no attempt to limit cost orders against lawyers with Stalingrad um, tactics, and it's far too broad to pass constitutional muster. The department's response is that it would be overly prescriptive to limit punitive costs to certain instances, as other instances may not be listed, which would require to be penalized by punitive cost orders. With regard to mediation, Afriforum and Corruption Watch uh, made technical proposals. The CASAC Clause 31.6 provides that if such a mediator is not in the employ of the state, they may be remunerated. It is submitted that such a mediator must always be remunerated. The regulations are intended to provide for the remuneration of mediators who are not in the full-time employ of the state. All mediators will be paid, Mr. Chair. Land claims court, agri-SA, technical proposals. And then ACBIS, the clause does not set out where points the mediator, nor whether the mediator is required to have special knowledge, expertise, or experience in land rights matters. Now, clause 31.2a, Roman 3, provides that the court must make an order appointing a fit and proper person as mediator to chair the first meeting of the parties. Clause 53.2g requires the minister to make regulations regarding the criteria for appointment, the appointment process, powers and functions, and remuneration for a mediator. I think that proposal then has been covered in our provisions as they stand in the bill at this stage. Lamosa also made technical proposals. Uh, the Legal Resources Center uh, supports the clause, Mr. Chair. And then once again with arbitration, we've, we've noted yesterday, Mr. Chair, that this, this issue is still a bit fluid. Um, and I don't think I'm going to belabor this point too much. The summary is there. 
Um, most of the parties are concerned about compulsory arbitration. And that is something that we have to a large extent covered in our 15-page summary for the committee. Settling matters out of court, Afri Forum uh, mainly technical proposal as well as the legal academics. With regard to the establishment and status of the land court, once again, similar concerns that were expressed with regard to the fact that the court will be a court of law and equity, the, the same uh, or similar concerns have been expressed here, especially by Afri Forum. The Land Claims Court, uh, it's inquired if Section or Clause 34 is correct in providing the Land Court of Appeal being a creature of statute to have inherent powers. Now, if you look, for example, and, and once again, we draw a comparison with Section 167.3 of the Labor Relations Act, which provides that the Labor Appeal Court has inherent powers, and that court is, and this court will be a, a, a creature of statute. Agri-SA made mainly technical proposals. You will note that I've started colouring them in, in a different colour, just to not confuse myself, Mr Chair, so uh, do not worry too much about the, the blue highlights. Those are still technical proposals. And then clause 35, composition of the Land Court of Appeal. The legal academics, um, yeah, we've already covered this. They are concerned that only reference is made to the president, but we've explained to the committee that where we only refer to president, it's the president of the republic, as defined in clause one of the bill. The clause 36 dealing with the appointment of other judges of the Land Court of Appeal, Gasset. Clause 36.3 deals with the appointment of judges to the Land Court of Appeal and creates a requirement for the President to consult with the Minister, Chief Justice, and the President of the Land Court of Appeal before, you see, it's actually Judge President of the Land Court of Appeal before making such appointments. The wording of the clause creates an impression that the President enjoys a discretion as to the appointment of judges of the Land Court of Appeal, although it is also although it also provides that the President acts on the advice of the Judicial Service Commission. And primarily or the short response is that the power of the President to appoint judges is constitutionally mandated, Mr Chair. The Land Claims Court submits that it is unnecessary to specify that the President and the Deputy... Just a bit, uh, just uh, Mr. Dupré, um, the head of the uh, Land Court of Appeal, we are saying it will be a judge president. And then what happened, What will be the head of the your ordinary Land Court in the province? For instance, when you, talk, when you talk about the high courts, the JP would be for the, the division, and then for the SCA, which, would, which is the appeal, is the president. 
So what is what, what is the what is the position in this case? Sorry, sorry, Chair. I was just muted. Um, I said I might have made a mistake. I apologize for that, but I'm going to ask Mr. Makurubete just to to point me wrong or correct with your permission, Chair. That's fine. Thank you, Chair. I, I can assist in that regard. What we are doing here is this. Uh, the Land Court of Appeal the head of the Land Court of Appeal will be the president of the Land Court of Appeal. But the Land Court itself will have the head as the, as the judge president of the Land Court. Uh, this is, uh, we are following the same mm. setup as in the, the uh, Labor Court of Appeal, Labor Appeal Court, uh, where the head of the Labor Appeal Court is the president of the Labor Appeal Court. That is how it is set up. Uh, the, the provisions are correct as they currently stand as we are following the, the arrangement under the Labor Relations Act. Thank you, Chair. Well, that's, that's clear. Thank you very much. You can proceed. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. The Land Claims Court submits... <laughs> Oh, yes, we started with this one. The, my apologies, Chair. Uh, the Land Claims Court uh, submits that it's unnecessary to specify that the President and the Deputy President of the Land Court of Appeal, referred to in the clause, may be Supreme Court of Appeal judges. Now, it's merely to indicate or to, to clarify that the intention is that SEA judges may be appointed to the Land Court of Appeal, Mr. Chair. And then clause 38, dealing with officers of the Land Court of Appeal, I think this is also a matter that we have raised, or the committee has raised earlier and pointed out to us. So I don't think we need to to go into that again. However, it, it is, of course, a repetition of provisions uh, that relate directly to the land court, but the committee has already uh, given us some guidance in that regard. Clause 41, the rules for, land, for the land court of appeal, pass our technical proposal, and then the land claims court submits that in clause 41.1, the President of the Land Court of Appeal and not the Rules Board must make the rules of the Land Court of Appeal. The Department does not support the proposal because it is the Rules Board established in terms of legislation that have to make the rules for courts. The Socioeconomic Rights Institute Clause 14.2 implies that the land court will function informally on the basis of the uniform rules of court. This is unsatisfactory. Uh, it is recommended that there should be basic rules of procedure to guide the 
board uses. It is recommended that the bill includes a set of skeleton rules. Now, it has been submitted that where the uniform rules are insufficient, Mr. Chair, the rules board of for the rules board for courts of law will prepare the necessary rules. It is not feasible to include a set of skeleton rules in the bill because that may restrict future expansion of the rules as and when necessary. With regard to clause 42 dealing with the jurisdiction of the Land Court of Appeal and the power to hear appeals, uh, Afri Forum says that subclause 3 is also not sensible since a decision of two judges cannot be the decision of the court if, for, for instance, five judges were to sit and the majority of three reach a different conclusion. Now, however, Mr. Chair, we would just like to indicate that in terms of Clause 35.2, this court is constituted before any three judges. The decision of, therefore, of, of two of the judges will then be the decision of the court. Clause 33, uh, 43, dealing with appeals, the uh, SA Institute for Race Relations and the Western Cape uh, made technical proposals there, as well as with regard to Clause 45, judgments of the Land Court of Appeal, binding on the court, the Land Claims Court also they made a technical proposal. With regard to costs, the SA Institute of Race Relations, the bill does not address whether the Land Court of Appeal, like the court itself, can also make a cost order against the legal representatives of one or more of the parties. And our response is that the Land Court of Appeal has inherent jurisdiction and it is thereby empowered to issue punitive cost orders when warranted. With regard to the transitional arrangements in clause 51 of the bill, the uh, corruption watch by merely replacing the land claims court with a new court will not be sufficient to foster a transparent and corrupt-free land resti restitution program. It is submitted that Clause 51 should include provisions that allow for anonymous reporting channels to facilitate public reporting on the progress, progress of the new court and its impact, including instances of corruption. The Parliamentary Committee should also bolster this provision by including accountability mechanisms to address public officials that are found to participate in corrupt conduct. The Department's response is that the main challenge faced by the Land Claims Court relates mainly to the lack of capacity and, uh, and the judiciary of that court, resulting in backlogs of cases. The Land Court replaces the court, the Land Claims Court, so as to do away with those challenges. Issues relating to corruption and reporting of progress are matters uh, not proper for inclusion in the bill. Agri-SA, with regard to the transitional arrangements, made technical proposals. And then the National 
National Health of Traditional Leaders, it is recommended that in respect of claimants who already lodged their claims in terms of the Restitution Act, must be given the opportunity to choose whether the claims should be finalised in terms of the Land Court Act uh, or in terms of the Restitution Act. The Department would like to point out to the committee that the intention of the provision is that the court will decide that the matter has to be proceeded with in the court unless the court is of the view that this would not be in the interest of justice. The court will in all likelihood then allow submissions from parties for that decision to be made. With regard to regulations, um, AgriSA made technical proposals as well as the National House of Traditional Leaders, the SA Institute of Racial Relations. The Western Cape is of the view that it's unclear why there are no references to the Land Court of Appeal. Uh, consider also adding references to the Land Court of Appeal. The argument here is that it's not necessary to include the Land Court of Appeal because the matter to be dealt with are functional in nature that do not concern that court. With regard to the short title and commencement, LaMosa is of the view that the Land Court will not assume jurisdiction over all nine statutes on the day the Land Court Act commences or comes into operation. As Clause 54 of the Bill allows the President to proclaim the amendment of the nine statutes separately on different dates. Now, they are correct. The Interpretation Act provides for staggered commencement of sections of an Act. However, it's not a given fact that different dates will ultimately be proclaimed by the President. With regard to the schedule, in general, Kusatu and uh, LARC made technical proposals. Agnes, the schedule awards land court exclusive jurisdiction over cases brought under both ESTA and PI. This raises the practical question of where the court will physically be located. Will it operate from premises currently occupied by the land claims court in Randburg? Now, we point out that Clause 6.1 determines that the main seat of the court to be Johannesburg, but the Judge President may determine that the court may hold any sitting elsewhere than at the seat of the court for hearing of any matter if it is expedient or in the interest of justice to hold its sitting. Um, in terms of Clause 7.3a, the Minister, after consultation with the Chief Justice, for the purpose of adjudicating land disputes, may then by notice in the Gazette define the specific, the specific area and of jurisdiction of each court. The Socioeconomic Rights Institute made technical proposals. And then those, Mr. Chair, we, we, when the committee considers the schedule to the bill, the, the department would be able to then come back to these technical proposals and, and just highlight them to the committee. But as we said, 
Um, the, this summary contains those proposals that the department um, does not agree with. Chair, that brings me to the end of the presentation of yesterday and today's submissions. Thank you very much, Mr. Dupree, and to your team. Uh, members, any comments? Honorable Horn. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Um, may I ask when Mr. Dupree come back to us regarding arbitration, whether he also include the issue which, which to my mind remains a bit uncertain um, as to whether judges of the land court would be would be or could be tasked uh, to act as the the arbiters in respect of matters that are referred for arbitration, and if not, ultimately. Um, whether he, the department feels it's important to explicitly state that. Um, and I'm asking this because right when when the the bill was announced, I believe, by the, uh, the Minister of Justice along with the Minister of Land Affairs, some of the comments made at that specific press briefing that create the, the, the perception that the bill would ultimately enable such a, uh, a situation as well. Thanks, Jane. Thank you very much. Honorable Breitenbach. Uh, thank you, Chair. I'm covered. Oh, you're covered. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Dupree. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, accidentally, or just by the world, yeah. Um, me and my colleague have, have briefly discussed it uh, a few weeks ago, but um, we haven't come to a final conclusion and then, of course, recommendations to be submitted to the parties concerned, but we will certainly uh, come back with, with um, answers with regard to that question raised. Um, thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Um, uh, those the only comments we have uh, before we we move to a way forward. My my apologies, Chair. May I maybe add one additional issue? Mm -hmm. um, Chair, obviously we will have to do our own research into this matter as well, but the. The one aspect that that um, I do believe the the response to the submissions uh, maybe did not consider the constitution is in respect of the comments made by some commentators about the, this court being a court of law and equity. Um, so, so my very brief um, interrogation of the subject has revealed that we, we have the, the labor court in our country as a court of law and equity. The difficulty, however, is that, of, uh, that, that without um, 
let's say, insulting, all those who practice in labor law is that we, of course, know that there's a, a very specific, let's say, dispensation with organized labor, uh, 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 other fora that also can ultimately deal with labor relations and specifically, um, let's say, uh, service conditions that ultimately is negotiated, I want to say, outside of the, the strict fora of the law, which might then necessitate, along with, of course, the considerations around the, the very unequal relationship between employers and employees that there might be good reasons why our labor court is a court of law and equity. But that doesn't take away from the principle that, that the constitution says our law, are, our courts are subject to the law and the constitution. So that would mean, in my view, that unless we can make out the proper argument that equity um, is, is one of the, the uh, considerations or key principles contained in the constitution, um, that it might be from a constitutional perspective problematic to argue that this, that, that this court is a court of law and equity. That's the one consideration. The other consideration is that, of course, the, the concept of equity have in, in, in different contexts very different meanings. So uh, I would want to ask, Chair, that the department considers all of this and, and, and maybe just uh, explain and unpack their, their view on the matter a bit further, specifically into real, uh, in relation to my last comments around the fact that equity it would seem have an ordinary meaning if one goes to our common law, the the the, the courts of equity in, in the UK uh, basically just means that where other orders were asked by litigants, the courts may make monetary orders instead. If that is the case here, then then I, I think it would make sense. Uh, but ultimately the request basically for the, the department to explain to us a bit better its reaction to the, the commentators and then lastly to, to consider whether the whole concept of equity if it is to be retained must then not be properly defined so that ultimately everybody is, 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 in, is given I want to say a full understanding as to what it in the context would mean. Thank you Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Dupree would want to make uh, a response to the comment. Or you would, would you want to go and uh, and work on it as Mr. Honorable Horn is, is, is requesting that uh, maybe there is a separate uh, document where you first define uh, what do you mean by this equity? Um, and have and do so a bit of work so that there is a common understanding as to what do we mean by a court of uh, law and equity. Mr. J, with your permission, we would like to come back to the committee and provide um, input in that regard, if it's in order with you. No, I think it should be in order. Um, so, members, I suggest that we 
on Tuesday, we would deal, we would start with the cannabis bill. Um, we have permission to sit after during sitting, and then um, after two, then we will deal with the this one, uh, the land court bill. I suppose uh, on Tuesday, uh, Mr. Dupree, you would be we will be starting with a clause by clause. Am I correct? Mr. Chair, yes, I think that would be appropriate uh, course of action for Tuesday. Okay, so I propose, members, that uh, we proceed uh, on Tuesday, um, as I've already outlined, that we start with the cannabis bill in the morning until lunch, and then after lunch, uh, we proceed uh, with this uh, land court bill. This one shouldn't be. Um, too much of a problem because I think uh, there are three principal issues that maybe they would need a bit of discussion but generally I don't see a lot of disagreement on many other issues uh, is the issue of um, uh, arbitration is the issue of the appeal and then there's this issue of uh, of equity. I think that is where maybe we might need to, to spend a bit of time because um, with respect to, to, to appeal court, in fact, uh, yes, the land appeal court and the issue of the Supreme Court of Appeal, I mean, should we take a view that uh, as we agreed yesterday uh, that it would this bill cannot amend the constitution the issue would, would that mean that we take that uh, clause completely uh, that deals with the supreme with, with the appeal court then where you would have issues being from the from the uh, land court then they will have to go to the Supreme Court of Appeal if you do not have uh, the, the appeal court. And then there was also a view by Honorable Swart yesterday of creating a special chamber within the Supreme Court of Appeal. I think there are some of the issues that uh, I think options would have to be uh, developed, um, uh, Mr. Dupree, so that we can engage on those issues. Uh, to start to process the bill uh, next week, uh, uh, Tuesday. But I, my understanding of uh, the discussions today, except what Honorable uh, Horn has raised uh, with respect to equity, is that in most areas, the areas where you have disagreed with the, uh, as the department, where you have disagreed with the with issues raised in the public comments, uh, there is no disagreement on our side as the committee. Uh, we do support the, the stance that you have taken, which will make it easier for you to, to, to bring a, a consolidated proposal uh, next week, save for the issues that we have left that needs more work to be done on. Is that in order, members?
Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Dupree, uh, Mr. Dupree, and who is the other team member? Uh, my team, my team uh, member is Mr. Makulubete, Mr. Chief. Yes, and Mr. Makulubete, thank you very much for for the good work that you have done uh, so far. Um, I, 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 I think that you have made our work to be much more easier. Uh, thank you very much. As we have uh, promised you that uh, we are starting early because we want to to give you the rest of the day to 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 continue to do the the work in preparation for next week Tuesday. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I think you would be released. Uh, members, can we just uh, have a few minutes? Uh, you are released, Mr. Dupreez and Mr. Makulu, but... Uh, Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Honorable Breitenbach, is that an old hand or a new hand? Uh, sorry, it's an old hand. Sorry. Oh, okay. No, thank you very much, uh, members. Um, one, I think uh, if uh, uh, the committee secretary can flight the the program for the term, because we we have uh, revised the program as we had promised, but it has the revised program has not yet been adopted. Uh, I think it would be important for us to have a brief discussion to adopt the the, the revised program. Committee Secretary, can you refer to the program? Chair, uh, perhaps while we're waiting for the program, um, I'm mindful of the fact that I have two dates that I need to arrange for the committee. Um, but the, the program has just been so very busy these last few weeks. I haven't had time to meet with, with them. I'm meeting um, Professor Munting next week to set a date for that, uh, that meeting. And, uh, and I've also um, set up a, a, a Zoom meeting with, um, with the inspecting judge. Uh, in order to finalize a date for that. So um, I will be able to come back next week with those dates. That's good. Thank you very much. But I think those dates, uh, it will be when we, uh, I think uh, it will be when we come back um, uh, in the next quarter. Yes, sure. Okay, thank That's you very fine. much. Yes, thank you very much. So members, this is the revised program. Um, Starting today, uh, we have deliberated on the land court bill. Um, we have dealt with the cannabis bill yesterday, which is we will proceed with it next week. Um, two issues that uh, I would like to bring to the attention of the members. One is the issue that. Um, of the of uh, magistrate van Skalpig. Um you know that uh, in the last 
quarter or even last year, uh, she indicated that she was taking the the magistrate commission on review, um, which we think, which I think, which I think is just part of the delaying tactics that she is using because up to now there is no there is no movement on her side. So we we were just thinking that uh, we. Uh, where it is reflected that we will be receiving briefings from the magistrate commission, uh, that um, uh, we quickly uh, discuss and come to a conclusion so that we adopt a report that would uh, that would uh, deal with uh, whether we remove her from office or not. Um, so yeah, if you can just write the date. of the magistrates, we will be dealing with the magistrate, yes. Uh, it's on the seventh. And is it not possible that we can take this matter to be much quicker than like before the seventh? Um, Chair. Um, since we, we are meeting on next week, Tuesday, since we've received permission to meet today, I think we can disperse on, on the matter on, on next week, um, Tuesday. We, maybe it will be the first issue to deal with next week, Tuesday. And then on the following week, uh, we will adopt that report so that it goes to the hands if we will reach a conclusion. Okay. Will that be in order, members? Yes, yes. Thank you very much. So, uh, Mr. Ntumbeni, will we need the Magistrate Commission to come and brief us or we are fine with the briefing we received? Um, I will consult with them and come back to the committee just to, to, to be sure to listen. If there's okay. any movement on their side since we've dealt with the matter, we will consult and come back. Okay. And then, uh, members, you remember that uh, uh, we received letters from uh, Magistrate Van Skalvig uh, last year. And that, yeah, last year, yeah, last year, I don't remember this year. So um, the guidance I would I'm requiring from the committee is whether before the 31st, should we write to her as a caters to say as they, we, will, we are now proceeding with this matter because uh, she wrote to us and I think in one of the correspondence that she, 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 she did, it was that uh, if we proceed with the with the removal, she is going to take parliament and review. Should we just proceed or should we inform her as a that we are proceeding? Chair, it's Ron speaking. I believe it would just be proper for us to inform her that we, in the absence of, of noting any further developments, will proceed now. Okay. Um, I don't see any further 
uh, any hand on any, any, any other hand on this matter. So we will write to her, advise her that uh, we are proceeding uh, on the 31st. And then the other issue that I, I, I would like to ask to, to, to talk about, uh, you remember that last time we, on the last day, um, we had that uh, meeting where we reviewed our progress um, for the term and plan for the next term. Uh, do we think that we need to do that for this coming term? Where we have sort of a, a meeting, just an internal meeting, to say how 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 did we fare uh, this term, and then what are the plans for next term, so that uh, we give um, um, uh, direction to 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 administration as to what will be our priorities for the next term, um, bearing in mind that uh, there are issues that. Uh, um, that need us to engage with external stakeholders, including Professor Martin. And uh, well, I wouldn't regard uh, Judge Cameron as an external stakeholder, but that should be reflected as part of our program and the issues of our oversights. Um, so what, uh, how do you want us to proceed, Honorable Beitenbach? Um, I think uh, the meeting was helpful, Chair, and I think could benefit from another one. We could benefit from another one. So, uh, committee secretary, can you flight the program so that we can see when do we slot that in? Can we go down? We'll lose dates from when we deal with the parliament budget vote and the presidency. We will be required, all of us, to be in the house. Um, and then I think the 14th will be very busy. We start at 8, at 10. Usually it will be until late. And then on Wednesday, um, the 15th. So why, maybe we should do the Wednesday, the 15th. Is that, is that, was I see, was after that, it will be your 16th June, then we will be, we will be done for the, for the term. Is no, it doesn't have to take long. Chair, 15th is fine. Yes, okay. Um, but I think also on that day, we will have to receive... No, no. I think the issue of the... What is the issue of the oversight report? We have not discussed it uh, since the last time we... Uh, we discuss it and then we referred it back to to the drafters to include certain issues that were that, that were missing. Now the issue is that whether we should discuss it before we adjourn, or 
let's wait for the last lab and have and discuss the whole program. In fact, the whole oversight report that would have included that, that would have included the last two provinces that are outstanding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, if at all possible, Chair, I believe we should try and adopt the oversight report before that meeting, because obviously the oversight reports must inform also to an extent our program next term in respect of follow-up meetings. That's the one issue I wanted to raise. The second issue I wanted to raise is to request, if at all possible, even if it's dealt with by you and our uh, and our team, that we also, uh, uh, before the meeting of the 15th, uh, just ascertain whether all of those uh, reports and, let's say, other information, documents, that were uh, that we we asked for during our budget um, interrogation process of different stakeholders and role players and specifically even or, or including those which we identified that were due in response to the BRRR um, process and which has not arrived whether in fact all of those have arrived so that those um, those reports uh, could also inform our discussions on the 15th and in the absence of us receiving them that uh, eventuality or, or occurrence of course would also then in my view inform our program of action for, for the third quarter thank you jay thank you very much honorable Horn. Um, well, that, that, that would uh, uh, is part of the preparations for the meeting of the 15th. Honorable Pridemach. Is that an old hand or a new hand? Again, it's an old hand, sorry. Okay. Okay. But the question that I was asking members is that uh, um, I think uh, Honorable Horn is addressing an important issue, but a different one. The question that I was asking uh, with respect to the oversight report um, um, of the provinces we have visited, we are left with two provinces, namely uh, Northwest and Northern Cape. The question is, whether we should first go to the two remaining provinces, then after that we have a consolidated report of all the provinces that we would have visited, and then we, we discuss that report, or should we discuss what we have done already? And, and because the oversight visit for the two other two provinces would be in the next term. I think that is the question. I, I, I think I think how you are you are you are coining it in that let's have a fully fledged report of the entire oversight program. Okay. Then we submit it. I would, I would suggest that uh, as much as there's only already been a draft 
for the oversight we've already undertaken. Uh, let's 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 complete the course, then provide a full picture of what is happening across uh, uh, the, uh, the the institutions that report to us. I think let's, let's do it like that. It's a suggestion. Okay. Is there any objection to that? Committee secretary. Yes, yes, thanks, Chair. Um, not necessarily, Chair, trying to object to what the members are discussing, but just as as as, as normally when we apply or, or to, to, to house chair, they would find out if we have outstanding reports emanating from previous oversights, then they are reluctant when when the committee has not adopted the previous oversights. That's the first issue. The second issue that I would want to bring to the attention of the committee is that I understand where Chair is coming from uh, in a sense that to say, let's get the full picture and then develop an action plan on, on, on emanating from the entire oversight that would have completed, inclusive of the two provinces that are outstanding. But in terms of adopting the reports, because uh, members would be aware that we had two dates uh, on our first oversight, even on the second oversight, there were two dates of certain reports that must be forwarded. So if we can adopt those while we're still planning to finalize the two um, provinces and receive all that information, and when we've received information emanating from the last two that we're going to do now, then we develop our action plan because uh, we would have had a full diagnosis uh, of, of of matters emanating from oversight, then the action plan for the entire oversight will, will, will be directed in that direction. So we we were fixing the the plane while it's flying. Chair. Thanks. Chair. That's my take. Yeah, the problem is that uh, you get the two dates and then you don't communicate them. Whether they are two dates, you keep them to yourself. We will have to improve on that, Chair. Our apologies. Um, in light of that, members, what do we say? So, so what was the last, what is the next due date? See ya. Most of the two days, Chair, we, we, we discussed, remember, we still, um, the, it was end of June, most of the two dates that, 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 that we had, Chair. We still have to develop that, that program that says that most of the information that we want must be sent to us end of June, so that when we begin, we don't have anything outstanding. Now, let, me, let, let, let me say that I would engage with the House Chair that we have taken this approach, then I will come back and report to the committee that uh, we would like to have one consolidated report and, uh, that we will do, and then we will report after, after, after we have gone to the two provinces. I will engage with the, with the, with the house chairperson because we have a peculiar and, uh, kind of a situation um, uh, we wouldn't want to report some of the province and not other provinces. And then you have the JP saying that uh, there was a report to parliament, but it did not come to my province. So 
our approach is that let's go to all the provinces and then we, we submit um, a consolidated report. Well, that report would need to go to the House and be debated in the House. But I will engage with the House Chair. Thank you very much. And then the last issue, members, um, you remember that um, in terms of the what we need to report back, uh, when we were doing um, uh, the budget votes, um, there was an issue with respect to the public project, the litigation costs. Um, she was given the seven working days and then she wrote back to us. I think I'm not sure what, what, what was the date, uh, say, or Bonan? Well, she wrote on the last day. Yes, she wrote back on the last day asking for an extension until the 10th of June. Uh, that was on the, uh, what is the date? Uh, yes, but the long and short of it is that uh, she wrote on the 17th. Uh, the long and short of it is that she's asking for an extension until the 10th of June for her to, to, to give us the information. I thought I must report back so that uh, the committee can give me direction as to how we should respond to, to that request. Because it was a committee decision that, made, that was made. And so um, I did not want just to, to make a, a decision without reporting back to the committee first. Honorable Pretenbach. Well, so first of all, I'm really not happy that they requested an extension. Not at all. There's no reason at all why they can't furnish that information. And if they don't furnish it, then we all know what the reason for that is. Uh, but uh, I want that information as soon as possible, which is my request, and I want that information as soon as is possible, please. Uh, I think it would be important for us to have a date, an exact date that would be communicated. Um, because uh, if I write back to say as soon as possible, uh, yes, I don't suggest that we do that. Uh, the end of this month, not later then. So there is there is a request for thirty first May. Um, is there? Are we are we in agreement, members? Or is there anyone who's got a contrary view? Um, Honorable Nihadrifen, we agree, Chair. Honorable, Honorable Nihadrifen, uh, seconds. So um, we will write back to the public protector um, saying that uh, we request that information by the 31st of this month, end of business. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, members. I think uh, most of the issues uh, concerning the next term uh, will be discussed on the 15th. And we would request um, 
the committee section, uh, the secretariat and and um, the research unit to do what they did last time, but just to update uh, what they did for us last time, which was very helpful, so that it is, that we use that to to guide the discussion for for that meeting of the 15th, that document that uh, both uh, um, justice and correctional services did um, I think it was very helpful with the with the assistance of the committee secretariat, so that we have guided discussions on the fifteenth. Uh, with that, uh, members, uh, I think uh, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much. I can see members do not want to go home. Thank you. I want to go. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.